coming up on The Potter's Touch. Purpose isn't petty. And you won't really begin to fully get God till you understand that God is a God of purpose and not a God of petty. Some of the most bitter people are sanctimonious, always judging other people because they have no appreciation for what God has given them. They sit in the seat of judgment. God has a purpose. He has predestined everything according to his own will. I looked up purpose. Purpose is, uh, it, it literally means the reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. The reason, the reason for which something is done or created for which something exists. That's its purpose. The purpose of this black box is to be an instrument that produces sound so that as I am speaking, I can hear myself. I could use it for a lot of things. I could sit on it, I'd probably crush it, but I could sit on it, but that's not its purpose. I could stand it up sideways and eat dinner on it, but that's not its purpose. What I must do is find its highest and best use because it was designed for a purpose. And if I use it correctly, I am using it for its highest purpose. And if I use it for anything else, I am abusing it. Yeah. So all the people that contorted you into what they needed rather than what he had purpose. they abused you. The reason for which a thing exists or was created is its purpose. So purpose is not about what happened, it's about why. It's about why. And I have noticed the funniest thing about most people. Most people, when they call you up and they say, I got something to tell you, you know, and they generally, you know, there's some gossip. And, and, and if you're a gossiper and you're petty, you say, child, what happened? <laughs> Nobody says, child, why did it happen? Because petty always wants to know what. Purpose always wants to know why. When you start understanding the why, and let me tell you something, ministers, you cannot help people if you are focused on what they did. If you focus on what they did, you are petty. Ministry begins when you start praying about why they did it. The problem with the world today, we have too many what preachers and not enough why. They know principles. They know when you broke a principle. They know that your disciples shouldn't be eating corn on the Sabbath day. They know that you shouldn't be healing this woman on the Sabbath day. Don't you know the sun has gone down? They know what, they don't know why. 
What will make you bitter and petty? What will make you miss your purpose? You want to know why? The greatest question is why? Everything begins with why. And until you start asking why, you'll never be a great pastor, you'll never be a great preacher, you'll never be a great orator. You must ask why. When you read the text, you must ask why. When you face the people, you must ask why. When you hear the news, you must ask why. Because you can't get in there where the surgery needs to occur to make them better if you don't know why. If you walk, if Mephibosheth comes stumbling up to you and you don't know why he's stumbling, you'll make fun of him. But if you understand why that somebody dropped him, you'll be able to minister him more effectively because you understand why. When you understand why, you say, it was good for me that I was afflicted. Had I not been afflicted, I would have never discovered the purpose of God for my life. Am I talking to anybody tonight? So we're studying the purpose of God, which he had purpose in himself. Oh, let me stop. God, let me stop. Which he had purposed in himself. He has purposed it in himself. He didn't meet with the board. He didn't talk with the committee. He didn't get the legislators to vote on it. He didn't ask Congress to pass a law. Everything that God ever set out to do, because he's sovereign, he purposed it himself. When he said, let there be light, there was light because he purposed it in himself. When he said, I'll serve, separate the firmaments above the water from the firmaments beneath the water because he purposed it in himself. When he got ready to make man, he didn't need a woman. He said, let us make man in our own likeness and in our own image because there's nothing in the Godhead that God needed to complete him. He purposed in himself. If he purposes me to live, I'll live. If he purposes me to die, I'll die. If the car wreck wasn't meant to kill me, I don't care if it's a head-on collision at 90 miles an hour, I'll get out. The plane can crash and I'll walk away. What God has for me is for me. I'm talking about the purpose of God. You can't have faith till you learn this. This is what your faith is built on. This is the recipe of your faith. Your faith must rest in the purpose of God. Jesus didn't teach have faith. He said have faith in God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Stop, stop. He didn't mean for Abraham to have a son when he was strong and virile. Because who wants to write about that? Everybody do that. He waited till his body was good as dead. And his wife was past childbearing age. She had gone through the change. And she couldn't have had a child before she went through the change. And when it was impossible with men, God purposed, now I'm going to do it. I'm going to put my signature on it. You're going to know it was me that did it. As soon as you discover that you can't do it, you're going to find out that it was me that did it. You still got to go in the tent, but it's going to be me that did it. You, you still got to spend the night, but it's going to be me that did it. Don't you walk out the tent with your chest all stuck out, old man, because it was me that gave you power. Oh, it is God that gives us power to get wealth. It is God that gives us the power.
power to get wealth. He doesn't give us the wealth, he gives us the power. Glory to God. Let's talk a little bit about petty because purpose isn't petty. And you have to understand what it means to be petty. <laughs> to be petty literally means of little importance, trivial, as in both groups are known to be petty. Now, I want, I want you to think about this. It didn't say that petty meant non-consequential. It didn't say that it didn't have any value, just little value. Trivial matters doesn't mean that it's not, that it doesn't matter. It's trivial. Petty people always focus on trivial things. Small-minded, spiteful ways. As in, he was prone to be petty. Revenge on friends and family, narrow-minded. Of secondary or lesser importance, lower rank, smaller scale, minor, a petty official. Now, what I want you to understand about this, that just because they are petty doesn't mean it doesn't have any merit, it just means that it's minor. Small, trivial things. Petty person showing or caused by meanness of spirit, a petty revenge is a petty person. You'd be surprised. Now, this is going to rock some people's world. You'd be surprised at how many people who are saved or say they're saved. But they're still petty. They're still petty. The, 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 the reason I said purpose isn't petty is because most religious people who were sanctimonious and would read this text would never see that the gateway to possessing the first city would be a prostitute. He placed the prostitute on the wall, positioned her in a particular place to be the gatekeeper to his promise. Petty people couldn't see past what she was. Oh, I'm going to preach before I leave here. They couldn't see past what she was to see why she was. Petty people would never ask why has God put her on the wall. Purpose isn't petty. And you won't really begin to fully get God till you understand that God is a God of purpose and not a God of petty. 
That's why God uses people you don't like. Come on. Come on. Somebody be real. Has there ever been somebody that you didn't like and God used them anyway? Never have we needed your support more vitally than we do right now because we are on the move for God. And if you have not been on the move for God, I want to challenge you to get busy and get on the move doing what God created you to do. In whatever field you're in, God planted you there for a reason, to be the salt of the earth. All ministry is not about pulpits. All ministry is not about singing in the choir. All ministry is not about clapping your hands at church. Whatever you're doing to help lift, change, fortify, strengthen people, you are in the ministry. Everybody who's got a ministry, stand up on your feet. That ought to get everybody, yeah. We are laborers together with God in Christ Jesus. How many of you are believing God to bless your ministry, whatever it is? If it's doing hair, if it's putting on makeup, it's still a ministry. She lied to protect the spies. Now, what we're talking about, get this, I want you to write this down. What we're talking about is a struggle between principles and purpose. It's not that the principles are bad. It's just that anytime your principles become more important than your purpose, you have missed who your God is. There is a struggle between principles and purpose. And when it comes down to a choice between principles and purpose, God will always choose his purpose. The law was principles. And the Bible said what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sent his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh that we might be the righteousness of God. If God was more concerned about principles and purpose, then the law would have saved the world. The law was nothing but principles. You can only walk so far. You can only move so much. You can only say, when the sun goes down, you can't do this. Woe unto the neighbor, do not mix this fabric with that fabric. The law was nothing but principles. So we struggle between purpose and principles. Should we disregard the principle? Absolutely not. It's just that we cannot exalt our principles above his purpose. Because sometimes God uses people that you wouldn't approve of to accomplish his purpose in your life. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Let, let's go a little deeper because I want to unravel this. Look at Amos 3, 1 through 3 for a minute. Amos chapter 3, verse 1 through 3. Hear this word that the Lord has spoken against you, O children of Israel, against the whole family which I brought up from the land of Egypt, saying, 
You only have I known of all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your iniquities. God is talking to his people. He says, can two walk together except they be agreed? How many times have you heard that third verse? But you didn't hear those first two. So we use that can two walk together save they agree to talk about human relationships. Well, Lord, have mercy. If that's true, I'd have got a divorce the first year. I'm married today because we got two cars. We ever get down to one car, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm just saying, I don't know. It might be, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But we don't agree. I'm packed for next week. My wife don't know what she's going to wear tomorrow. Yet we've been married 42 years. We walk together through life, through death, through sickness, through health, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor. But it wasn't because we always agreed right in the middle of the worst places. We've had some of the worst arguments. Because I thought we ought to do this and she thought we ought to do that. So when we take this scripture that is about God's relationship with his people, and he says, if you're going to walk with me, you got to be in agreement with me, even if you're not in agreement with each other. And when you take the text out of context and apply it to people, then you, now you're talking to the spies. What are you doing at Rahab's house? How can two walk together, save they agree? It don't look right for you to be up there. Truth out of context is a lie. God wasn't concerned about it. I'll show you another one. Second Corinthians chapter six, verse 15 through 18. Take a look at this. Oh my God, I'm almost out of time. Jesus, help me. Can I run over about 10, 15 minutes? Second Corinthians chapter six, verse 15. And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? Come on. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Come on. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Did he say it? Absolutely. Did he mean it? Absolutely. Who was he talking to? Why did he say it? He was talking to Corinth, who was establishing new converts. They were new converts in the middle of orgies and idolatry and evil and wickedness. And he told them, come out from among them and be ye separate. You're not ready. You can't handle it. You're getting drunk off of communion. You're committing incest in the house. You're not ready to witness to these people. Come out from among them and be ye separate and I will be your God and ye shall be my people because I see you. You're worshiping me and Belial. 
Why would God say to all of the church, come out from the world and be ye separate, and then turn around and say, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every living creature? I can't go into all the world and come out at the same time. Anytime the text is taken out of context, you destroy the validity of the text. I'll show you one more. Proverbs 13, 22. Take a look. A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. Take a look at this. The wealth of the sinner is laid up for the, if it's laid up for the just, how are you going to pull it down if you don't touch them? If you don't talk to them? if you can't be seen with them, if you can't go anywhere with them, if you don't have no business with them, if you're supposed to remain separate from it, how is there going to be a download of wealth? In our text, there's a download of wealth. The wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just, but in order to get it, you had to go in where sinners go in order to get it, in order to get it. You had to go into Rahab's house in order to get it. You had to be entangled with people and it didn't look good, but in order to get the download, God didn't promise to bless you through church folk. I'm going to say it again for the people in the back. God didn't promise to bless you through church folk. I see Christians say some crazy stuff. Uh, my, 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 my physician, the, my surgeon was a Christian. That's nice, but can he operate? My pilot is filled with the Holy Ghost, but can he fly? What are you doing with so-and-so? And they, they've been on my Twitter all the time. What are you doing with so-and-so? What are you doing with so-and-so? You with sinners all the time. You got on the plane. You didn't ask the pilot, was he saved? You go to the family reunion with your drunk uncle, and you still at the family reunion, and you brought potato salad. But the moment you see somebody else, you turn up your nose because you heard something about them. Now they're untouchable. Suppose they said to the spy, don't stay in her house. If you... In fact, that's what the disciples did with Jesus. They said, if Jesus knew what kind of woman that was that washed his feet, he was suffering. How could Jesus not know that she was a sinner woman? Glory to God. And yet Jesus stuck his feet out and let this woman wash his feet. Some of you are more religious than God, and I hope you're watching tonight so I can tell you to your face. Because you're two-faced and you're phony. You work with sinners. You're married to sinners. Your children are sinners. They smoking dope in the attic. And there you are turning up your nose, talking about other people. How can the love of God dwell in you? You're petty. You're petty. You're petty. You're petty. You're petty. You're petty. You don't see purpose. God used Rahab's platform to take the whole city. He didn't use a believer. He used a prostitute. Rahab saved the spies. And in the 20th, 20th verse through the 25th verse, now because she saved the spies, now they saved her. Come on, go with me. Read it again, see if I'm wrong. Wait a minute. They didn't just save her. They saved her whole family. They saved, they saved her father. They saved her mother. 
And then the Bible says, they saved all them that were with her. Who were they? They wasn't children. I'm almost finished. Can I go a little deeper? Joshua 6, 20 through 25 is a profound, prolific, articulate depiction of the grace of God because it proves to us that God kept his word to a prostitute because the text says, as, they, as, the, as the wall came down, the text said, go find Rahab and save everybody in her house according to your oath. And God saved everybody in the house because he kept his word to a prostitute. Now, here's my question for you. If God kept his word to a prostitute, then what makes you think that God won't keep his word towards you? If God kept his word and was careful to separate her from the wrath to come, and the Bible said they pulled her whole family out and set her outside the house of Israel so that when the city was burning down, Rahab didn't burn up. Oh, at the times I should have burned up, but I didn't burn up because God set me aside and saved me. And I'm not praising him because I'm good. I'm praising him because I'm not. I'm not praising him because I'm worthy. I'm praising him because I'm not. Let me say it like my old folks used to say, when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah. Thank God for saving me. Somebody give him 30 seconds of crazy free. There are people in this room that are living in limbo. You're not where you used to be, but you're not where you're gonna be. You took a pit stop that became permanent. Stop living in limbo and focus on God's promises. Why are you stuck in limbo? For your gift of support, you'll receive the Disruptive Discovery Journal, which includes targeted promises for your empowerment, as well as digital access to the Disruptive Conversation series. My best days are not behind me. My best days are in front of me. I haven't climbed my highest mountain. I haven't done my greatest miracle yet. I will not stay stuck in this place. Disrupt the old and walk in God's new. Call or click today. Registration is now open for the 2024 International Leadership Summit. Continue your growth and elevate your journey with world-class speakers and transformative workshops. Coming home to Dallas, Texas, the 2024 International Leadership Summit is where the world's most visionary leaders gather. I want you to be in the room where it happens. Act now and secure next year's spot at the best possible price. I believe God has something for you. Register today at thisisils.org and empower your leadership journey. Disruptive thinking disruptive patterns of thought are essential for such a time as this.
paradigms. New experiences, fresh ideas. Feel free to reach out to us on social media and share your story of how God is impacting your life. We look forward to seeing you next time on The Potter's Dungeon.